Welcome to Writers Forum, a weekly presentation of WRBHFM. I'm Sherry Alexander, and this week we're talking to Andrew Feldman, author of Ernesto, the Untold Story of Hemingway in Revolutionary Cuba. And as Lanyap, we have with him his lovely Cuban wife, Jelani. Welcome to Writers Forum. Thank you. First of all, you're an American. You're an Air Force uh, brat. Is that that's correct? Where did you start out? Um, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, well, my fa- I followed my father as he was stationed in various places around the world: uh, Hawaii, Japan, Washington D.C., Texas, uh, for example. But you picked Tulane for your undergrad. Yes, I did. I was going to high school in San Antonio, and um, yeah, I wanted. I visited Tulane, made a big impression on me. Beautiful campus, and uh, of course, New Orleans. And uh, I've felt uh, most at home in New Orleans ever since. And you're back here now. We're happy to say, and you have a family now, and we're glad you're here. Um, you've been studying Ernest Hemingway for quite a while. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, I started uh, doing, you know, a master's in uh, doctorate in literature and uh, c- comparative literature. Um, I was uh, doing that at the Sorbonne in, uh, uh, they call it Paris 4, which is basically uh, the, one of the many uh, University of Paris uh, affiliates. And uh, so I was working on a dissertation there on, on uh, Hemingway and Camus. And then um, I had my research from my dissertation, and I was starting to, uh, you know, look for an article to write, uh, publication. And uh, I read an article in a French newspaper that said that the Finca Vigia was opening its doors to foreign researchers. So I went. That's Hemingway's house. It was his house when he was in Cuba. Correct. And uh, so I went there and um, I spoke with uh, the directora, uh, who's Rosa uh, Alfonso, and um, she was very encouraging. So because she was very encouraging um, and she was able to give me permission to go there, um, I decided to pursue research there. And you were a young man. What made you interested in Hemingway to write your dissertation and so on. I mean, he's been dead for quite a while. Um, Hemingway is a powerful figure. He's, uh, uh, it's, in every other week you're seeing something in the newspaper about him. He's uh, made quite an impression. And I mean, he's synonymous. I mean, when you think of writer, you think Ernest Hemingway. So, um, you know, I was interested in literature. I was interested in, um, in writing. And, um, so, uh, He's, uh, I heard one, uh, actually, I think it was his son who described him as uh, uh, his, one of his lovers was like a moth to his flame. He was a very intense, uh, burning uh, flame of an individual, and it's quite easy to be attracted to him. I think he's, an, he's a great energy, a great force in the universe, if you will. So, so you were the first... Um, scholar that is was allowed to spend in residency, as they say, you know, as much time as you wanted working in the uh, finca. Yes, ma'am, that's correct. And so you spent what two years there? 
Um, yes, I uh, I started. I was going to spend uh, a few months and do an article, maybe. Um, and I actually, what I started to discover is that there was just this huge story that was uncovered. Um, that was something that was sort of uh, um, common knowledge to the people in Cuba, but it was a, another history that was um, sealed behind the Iron Curtain, if you will. So, um, you know, I thought that was really interesting that there was a, 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 a fresh perspective. Um, and, you know, sort of a defining theme of my life is that, um, you know, I just, I, I believe that uh, when a perspective is very different from yours, that um, that has great potential to uh, teach you something um, that you might not know to uh, in, to uh, enhance your perspective. So, um, you know, I, I saw Cuba as being a, a cultural counterpoint um, to um, what I already knew. So I wanted to explore things that I didn't yet know. Well, before we get into the, all the details about Hemingway, um, <clears throat> since you've uh, brought back, besides all this knowledge and a book about Hemingway, you brought back a beautiful wife, Jelani. You, you're a Cuban-born? Yes, um, I was born and raised in Cuba and actually went to the university there and came to New Orleans when I was 25 years old. Oh, so you met here? You didn't meet? No, we met in Cuba. That's what I thought. And yes. Did you marry there? Yes, we married in Cuba, and then we came back. So romantic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, and you worked in um, computers, and when we get to the, toward the end of this book, we talk a little more about modern Cuba. So if that's all right, we'll come back and ask you some questions then. All right, getting back to this book, Hemingway... You start off, he's, he visited Cuba off and on and lived there uh, starting in 1928. Went through all four wives and brought them and left them and was inspired there. And um, we'll cut to the end. I mean, we know he won the Pulitzer Prize and he won the Nobel Prize. And at the time, he described himself as being uh, Cuban, practically. He had spent so much time there and loved it and so on. Um, all right, his first wife he went with, Hadley Richardson. So what were those days like? Um, well, Hadley uh, <laughs> and, and uh, Ernest, they were both uh, very young. Uh, Hadley was a bit older than, than he was. Um, but, um, I, you know, I see the relationship as being, you know, a part of his uh, innocence. Um, even so, I think as a young man, um, Ernest Hemingway was... Uh, quite ambitious and, uh, you know, quite focused and, and um, you know, uh, he didn't attend university. Uh, he learned how to write at the uh, Kansas City Star. Um, I must mention, of course, journalists do know how to write since I'm a journalist <laughs> myself. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's proof that you don't need a university education to succeed, um, and um, but one benefit that he did have was that, uh, of course, his wife had a, a trust fund and was able to uh, uh, combine with his, uh, you know, meager income uh, as a journalist. Uh, he was able to uh, uh, work as a foreign correspondent in Paris, and um, 
And really, uh, it was a magical time in Paris, and he was exposed to some of the greatest writers uh, that uh, this century has seen. Um, and, and the way we talked about him, you know, 30 and 40 years ago, um, we didn't really talk about him in Cuba at all. We pictured him in the lost generation in Paris and Fitzgerald and Stein, all those all those people. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the one of the last uh, great books that he wrote, um, I think, had a, a monumental impact, and that's a movable feast. Um, so that really crystallized that image of him. And uh, for me, that's a brilliant book. I mean, it's a it, it makes any American want to go to Paris, really. <laughs> well, one of the things that seems to run through your telling of his life, which I I was acquainted from a typical American English major's point of view at the time, and I didn't really get, but he was pretty much a womanizer. And in fact, while he was in Cuba and Paris and married to Hadley, uh, Pauline came into his life. Mm-hmm. He was a serial monogamist, I would say. He, he uh, had to... Uh, he always had to, and some of his friends actually uh, criticized him, gave him a hard time for this point, and said, like, the trouble with you is you always have to marry them. And, you know, so, and so he would, you know, believe, he would believe one wife or another and, and actually get married to um, whoever he had uh, who had previously been his mistress. So he went from Hadley to Pauline to Martha and... Uh, to marry in a similar pattern. So also, uh, Pauline was even wealthier. Her family was wealthier than Hadley's, and from a modern point of view, a woman, you know, after women's liberation and so on, mm-hmm. people might, especially women, <laughs> might look at it a little differently from the way he lived it at the time. You mm-hmm. know, he he. I think he didn't he, marry poorer women. He married wealthier women. Well, from certainly from Hadley to Pauline, um, you know, he went uh, to a much wealthier family. Uh, the Pfeiffers uh, were um, extremely wealthy at the time in during the Great Depression, and so one could say and that he followed his ambition in this regard. Um, and something that i think makes a big impression on people when you when you are acquainted with the story of hemingway and when you read a movable feast it, it's uh the profound regret that he experiences as an older man for leaving that uh magical innocent time um and uh it it come back it comes back to haunt him in that book uh, and the book is very moving because of uh, the communication between his younger, uh, more ambitious, foolish self and his um, older, uh, somewhat wiser self. Uh, now, he, he moved around quite a bit, um, and back and forth Paris, and then he was covering in Spain and Key West. Excuse me, I'm a native Floridian, and so I've visited several times his... Um, his home in Key West, and I was kind of picturing the Finca in in Cuba as looking somewhat like that. Is, is that what it was? Some, I mean, it was much bigger grounds. Um, yeah, the, the, well, it's a different environment. Um, the 
the house in Key West is in the middle of the town, so the, the land is is limited. Um, uh, the finca is on a hilltop, you know, in a you know, basically beside a small town of San Francisco de Paula in you know the outskirts of that town, um, overlooking Havana. So you have bigger grounds uh, for the villa in um, in Havana, of course. Uh, but I think that the house in Key West is actually uh, you know larger and sturdier. It looks a lot like a house for, in New Orleans. You know, it has a, oh, yeah. uh, a balcony on the uh, second floor. It's uh, you know like it's built very much like a, a, the architecture of of, a, of New Orleans. Um, Speaking of New so, Orleans, he can't, you mentioned I went to your uh, launch of your book at Octavia, and he he's been to New Orleans. He passed through New Orleans a couple of times. That's right. New Orleans for Hemingway, um, like a lot of people at the time, was a stopover point in the middle of the country. He was headed out west to go hunting in, uh, in Wyoming, Montana, and they would stop in New Orleans. They stayed at the Hotel Monteleon. Um, they went walking um, uh, along uh, uh, Decatur Street. Decatur right? Street. They. Uh, it, Hemingway purchased a diamond uh, for uh, Mary on Decatur Street in one of the uh, you know antique shops there. So, um, so yeah. now Mary is the fourth wife. Um, and by this point, he he loved to fish, and you, you since he first went to Cuba, he was fishing all the time in uh, Cohimar. And when he accepted the uh, Nobel, I think it was. He said he was accepting it. He he was a, he felt like he was a Cuban. He had he loved the people so much. Um, talk about his fishing. Tell us about his fishing. His fishing. Well, I mean, I always say that he didn't go to Cuba originally for uh, their noble people, but for the fishing. And um, actually, he in 1928. Um, he was stranded on dry tortugas during a storm, and he met uh, the two men who would become his, um, you know, who would work aboard his boat, which was Carlos Gutierrez and uh, Gregorio Fuentes. And they were qu quite nice to him uh, uh, because they were stranded there, uh, and they offered their party. They didn't have provisions. They offered them food, uh, alcohol. They had a bit of a party, like, while they were waiting for the storm to pass. Um, and they told um, stories, uh, very much exaggerated, embellished stories of uh, their adventures at sea, um, you know, spiked Hemingway's imagination, told him about the massive marlins, this, you know, these sea monsters that he could pursue uh, off the coast of Cuba um, during the season when they were running. And that, uh, of course, was something that uh, Hemingway could not resist, so he... Um, came to spend his summers there uh, thereafter. Um, basically, whenever the marlin were, were running, he would, uh, you know, either charter a boat, and later he had his own boat um, to go down to Cuba, and uh, for two reasons: one, to pursue the marlin, um, you know. And he much, did catch. I mean, you like four hundred or five, I didn't know marlin grew that big. He's a you know he's a bit of a Don Quixote. He's he's a bit of a, you know Captain Ahab. He's you know he's chasing these marlin. He's an he he always had an appetite for adventure, but also you know 
after those adventures were done, he had a hotel room in the Alambos Mundos that was $2 a day, uh, very cheap for him by, uh, uh, at the time, and uh, isolation um, away from his fans who were seemed always to be pursuing him, um, you know, unwanted house guests uh, bothering him while he was trying to get his writing done. So hold up in the Amos Mundos, he could uh, do so in relative anonymity. Um, so that's. But then Martha persuaded him to buy that finca, and then that was really a place where he could spend time when he wasn't fishing and right. do some writing. But he wrote The Old Man in the Sea while he was in Cuba. And right after that was published, it's the book that won the Pulitzer, or he won the Pulitzer right after that book, right? That's correct. I mean, uh, after the Spanish Civil War, um, you know, he had a, a love affair with Martha Gellhorn, which started actually in Key West. Uh, she pursued him there. Um, and uh, it's a great she, book to read, folks. If you want all these juicy she, details, she about says <laughs> she says that she was look she was there by accident. But uh, most people think that she sort of chased Hemingway down um, in Key West. Um, in any case, the Spanish Civil War was was uh, you know starting at that time, and uh, both Martha and uh, Hemingway felt mobilized by that. They had to come to the aid of the, their beloved Spain. Now, we'll, we'll have to skip a lot okay. of the, this because okay. we just don't, we only have a okay, few minutes no left. But, of course, in the book, you go mm -hmm. into great detail, mm -hmm. but getting to the point where he wins the Pulitzer, by mm -hmm. then he's married to Mary, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he then the next year wins the Nobel Prize. I mean, really amazing. But then we get to modern Cuba, starting with the 50s, which is when this all happened, and Kat, you do a wonderful job of describing the revolution. This is where um, a bit of my own knowledge comes in, because I grew up in Florida, so I have a certain viewpoint, and I've visited Cuba, um, but I have a certain interpretation of what went on. And somehow Hemingway, you know, stayed out of um, while it was first going on in Castro and Batista in and then Batista out. And as I said, you do a wonderful job. And <clears throat> I loved especially the part about uh, Meyer Lansky and all the <laughs> mafiosos in Miami because that's that was my interest reading about him and learning about him. But um, he, he somehow, you, you said something like he didn't confuse people with the political. So he people with politics. Yeah, he didn't openly at the time take sides, right? I mean, you didn't I, really know if he was at the time supporting the rebels or writing a book like this. Uh, the question comes up, you know, you know how what was Hemingway's uh, political stance, um, and I would respond to that question as such. Uh, he tried very hard to avoid politics. Um, but he was living in a tumultuous time, so it became very hard for him to do at certain uh, points in his life. When Spain was attacked by fascism, it was very difficult to avoid politics for him. Um, when he saw his uh, brethren, ve the veterans from the First War, um, 
you know, eradicated by a hurricane because they were sort of left out to, to dry uh, by the uh, um, by by the uh, current administration at the time, who you know who was you know notorious for mistreating those veterans. Um, and he had to fish their bodies out of the surf. He wrote a, a very um, spirited letter <laughs> against. Uh, it was very political. It appeared in new masses. So. In Cuba, um, I would say that um, you know there was a lot of, like everywhere else in politics, there was corruption. Um, there was a uh, partnership between uh, financial interests and politicians. Um, does that sound familiar? <laughs> That's very subtle. Let so, me ask this, because we only have about five minutes left. But Jelani, you grew up in Cuba. In a, a, you're young. I mean, this is radio. People can't see. You're young and beautiful. Um, yeah. So you grew up under Castro. Um, what was your acquaintanceship with Hemingway growing up? Did you ever hear of Hemingway, or did you know anything? Did you grow up in Havana? I did not. I'm from Camagüey, the middle of the country, and I knew Hemingway had lived in Cuba for many years, but I didn't know he was over 20 years. And you went to the university in Havana. Yes, I did. I had a degree, I have a degree in computer science. So you didn't um, particularly study literature? No, I didn't. But um, do you think Hemingway, most people today in um, Cuba look on him as you know, a, a, a friend to Cuba, or...? Yes, I think Hemingway, for the Cuban people, is an inspiration. <clears throat> because, uh, unfortunately, um, the history of, our, of the United States and Cuba has always made it hard for the people to meet, the people to interact and connect with each other. And I think, like, Hemingway showed the world that... Um, that it's possible to make connections with, with the with the people, you know, like your the administrations uh, shouldn't uh, dictate which we love, what kind of people we love or we connect with. And I think in that sense, Q, uh, Hemingway was, as I said, an inspiration because he made that connection happen. He had uh, Cuban friends at the time that um, it was almost impossible for the people to connect. Well, it was impossible, let me tell you. I grew up in Miami. <laughs> let she, me get she back put to it very well. That's yes. a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> well let's get let's get let's end with you, Andrew, since you wrote the book. Um, and this is a writer's forum, so but I'm just so no, intrigued that's, with that's he, when you say he put people for politics, I mean I think he had a clear sense that, you know, um, it would be silly to, to let politics divide uh, people, and, and he had a very sincere admiration and respect for Cuban people. There was one, at one point, it was interesting to me, as I said, that's the part of your book that was most interest to me, was the, um, <clears throat> he was asked to make some statement, and he was going to say something about he was delighted with Castro coming into power, and it was toned down, and, and he said, well, he was hopeful, you know, it was considered undiplomatic at the time. But mm -hmm. at one point, he was asked to leave Cuba. Mm -hmm. um, well, Mary was a little more reserved and uh, skeptical politically. So, And she is the one who provided that perspective of when he was quoted by the, the New York Times. Um, so, yeah, he. I think Hemingway was a little more enthusiastic um, and, uh, you know, excited about what the, you know, Castro Revolution could could mean. I mean, he was typically Cuban uh, in that sense. Is you know, 
People were very hopeful that it was going to be a real change because there had been a lot of corruption for many years. I so. think now, in hindsight, the revisionists, even the most patriotic Americans, have a different understanding of the corruption that went on in the 50s, the role of our government. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we look at it a little differently from living it at the time. But um, you said today in Cuba, when people want to say, describe something as pretty nice, I heard you say, well, esta Hemingway. Yeah, it's, you, it's, it's, it's synonymous with... Uh, grandeur, uh, in a very common way, the expression would just be, uh, you know, I like your house. This is Hemingway, you know, it's the Hemingway. It's just, it just means something like cool. incredible, <laughs> like of extraordinary proportion. He's just a man of extraordinary proportion. So it just has come to mean that. Well, I really enjoyed reading the book. I hadn't thought much about Hemingway for some time. Being a journalist, it didn't come up very much. But I really enjoyed seeing a completely different way of looking at it, and you brought back a beautiful wife. We're glad you're here in New Orleans. We're always glad when younger people come and have their families here in New Orleans. Um, and the book it just came out, but it's being very well received. I, I looked at book list, and it says, <clears throat> Ernesto offers new takes on Hemingway's literary friendships, extramarital affairs, and mixed feelings about Castro's revolution, as Cuba and Hemingway continue their mystical and divisive holds on the American consciousness, Feldman's book provides useful background. I wish you luck with it. Um, I know you're just starting out to publicize it, so usually I ask writers, what's next? But I mean, are you even thinking of what's next, or you just your book just came uh, out? I'm working on my my own fiction now. This was an academic. I mean, this started off as a um, dissertation. Know, and... it, it started off as an academic project uh, because I was, um, you know, a literature professor and that sort of thing. But I really tried to write it um, like a story uh, because uh, I'm I I don't. Really, I didn't really want to write an academic book, so it came out as being a, um, you know, uh, uh, an experiential biography. You're able to experience Cuban American history through Hemingway's eyes. That's the idea. So, well, you succeeded. Thank you. That was your goal. It's very uh, interesting to read, and I wish you luck promoting it, and I wish you luck with your novels in a couple of years. We'll come back and talk about your novels. Okay, maybe um, another 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what Jelani has to say about that. Anyway, you've been listening to Writers Forum, and we want to thank our guests this week, Andrew Feldman and his beautiful wife, Jelani, author most recently of Ernesto, the untold story of Hemingway in revolutionary Cuba. I'm Sherry Alexander for WRBH. <laughs>